property. We live on it, we buy it, sell it, invest in it. This is Propertunity Knocks with Jordan Chernotsky. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Propertunity Knocks with me, your host, Jordan Cherno. Our SMS line for our listeners looking to get involved is 34519. Our Telegram contact is 061-895-1019. And for those Twitter buffs, at FM, quite simple there. And then if you're looking to send us an email, on air at chaifm.com. We have a very exciting interview today. Our topic we'll be going through is property taxation, both private and, uh, of course, touching on commercial. With us today is Professor Keith Engel, the CEO at South African Institute for Tax Professionals. So we're looking forward to having Keith on the show, and we'll be back right after this. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Propertunity Knocks with Jordan Chernotsky. This is Jordan Cherno for Propertunity Knocks. With me this morning is Professor Keith Engel, the CEO at South African Institute for Tax Professionals. Good morning, Keith. Morning, Jordan. It's good to hear from you. It's Sunday. We're awake. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some people are still, well, peeling themselves out of bed, I suppose. But for those of you who are in yeah. that position, I hope you had a good Saturday night. <laughs> so, Keith, uh, obviously, your title speaks for itself. You're a tax professional. And, you know, from what <laughs> I've heard, without speaking to you before this, one of the best in the biz. So, <laughs> Keith, if you can give us a little nutshell about what you do on a day-to-day, that would be awesome. Well, I've been... Yeah, look, I've had different things over my time. So my my background experience is that um, I was in the U.S. That's why the American accent. I worked in private practice. I worked in the Internal Revenue Service, which is the SARS of the U.S., and then I was a professor. Then I came over here to South Africa as an advisor to the National Treasury when Trevor Manuel was in charge. And um, at that time, I was the National Treasury, and we made a lot of the laws that can't, that are still in effect today. And I was there up wow. until about 2013. And then I left right before the Zuma era. So it turned out I left just in time. Timing. And yeah, then wow. I've been, you know, I was very lucky on that timing. And then I um, also then um, was in a, in a firm for a while. And now I'm the, South, the head of the um, South African Institute of Taxation, where we have lots of tax professionals We've got about 8,500. Wow. And so we're involved in issues they're regularly involved in. So that's a quick resume um, without super, too much Super, super. So <laughs> needless to say, the title of the show obviously speaks for itself. Our focus is going to be on property. So I hope you've braced yourself. <laughs> Not that you needed a man <laughs> of your experience. So uh, I suppose uh, there's a hell of a lot to get through. And there's a few topics we could start with. But uh, I suppose this most simple question that uh, you'd think most people would know. But just in case you don't. What exactly is property taxation and, you know, how exactly does it affect either an owner or a purchaser of property? Yes, no, so let's focus mostly on residential. We can talk about commercial a little bit. Yeah, residential um, would be terms, great. Yeah, I think that's where most people would be interested in the morning. But there are two kinds of property taxes, so to speak. One is municipal rates. And that is you get that monthly bill next to your electricity bill and there is a valuation of your property and you get charged a little bit every month for the value of your property at the municipal level. 
The second one that people, yeah, I'm sure you see that all the time. (laughs) And, and it's, um, it's a certain amount and that goes to the municipal level. And then there's another one, which is on the purchase of the property, which most people face called the transfer duty. Now the transfer duty is collected by SARS. The monthly rates is connected by the municipality. Now, reason why that's important is you've got two different structures there. Now, in the United States, for example, in Europe, I mean, it depends how it's done. But in the U.S., typically the transfer duty and the and the monthly rate is connected by the state, never by the Internal Revenue Service. So here, what you have is splitting of the municipal rates from the transfer duty and who collects the money. Um, and that affects your processes that are available. So there are just two ways to go just to start things off. Okay. So now, obviously, speaking from it, well, speaking as an agent, a real estate agent working in this mm-hmm. difficult, difficult market, for a person who, you know, obviously is paying taxes every month on their property, a major trend I've noticed in South Africa is incorrect municipal valuation. So, of course, you know, on previous shows, we've discussed the option to appeal that and to try and have your property reevaluated. But, you know, what, what sort of impact can this have on a person if their property is overvalued? I mean, obviously, apart from increased yeah. expenses and increased maintenance costs on a month to month, how exactly can yeah. that re- be remedied? I mean, what's the easiest way to go about it? Yeah, well, this is, okay, first, before we go to, again, when, as a real estate agent, usually you don't think about municipal rates too much. So generally, a real estate agent is worried about the purchase price and the transfer duty there. And that usually has nothing to do with the municipal rate. So when you buy a property of $1.4 million, that's what you pay for um, in there. And that includes the agent's fee. And that has nothing to do with any valuation. That's just basically what the, the market value of the property actually is. Of course, but then and that so, would affect your, your bond qualification situation as well. I mean, if your property is overvalued and – or if a property is overvalued and someone's trying to purchase it with a bond, that may affect the bank's valuation as well. Yeah, so what usually will happen there is now we're going back a step. When you're looking at the property valuations, usually what happens is, is – the issue really is how much are you paying property rates per month and how much you can carry. So when you buy a house, typically we borrow the money and we say, well, how much money are you making and how much money is this property costing you? Now, when the banks look at things, they actually look at not so much the municipal rates in terms of value, but they look at you know, the, all these reports as what it previously went for. So they do their own market valuation as to the value. The municipal rates is one which really doesn't have that much to do with what the real value is. Usually it's a lot yeah. lower, the municipal yeah. rate value. But that one might increase your carrying cost yes. of property and depending on the locality that you're in. So in Pretoria, where I'm at, it's not too bad. Maybe in Joburg, it's a lot worse. In Cape Town, it's a lot worse. Now, our property rates overall you know, from what I can see in South Africa, are relatively low, low those municipal rates. Um, they're getting higher, but they're not anything like in the U.S. So, for example, my brother was paying like four to $5,000 a month. Jeez. In, in like, and that's, that'll kill you. So here, we, we, the municipal rates have not claimed too much. But then you're right. If it starts becoming higher, because you're looking at your electricity bill 
and your property bill, then you have to appeal it. And then you're looking at a a different set of rates, which you're going to have to go in and collect and prove why it's out of line with the general system. Anyway, that's just a footnote. Yeah, it's definitely a trend. I mean, those that work in this market will tell you, I mean, more often than not, municipal valuations are way above what the actual market value of the home is, which, again... There's there's many reasons for well many possible reasons for why that could be the case. I mean, corruption being one of them, yeah. perhaps. But uh, you know, I've seen it all too often, whereby these properties are completely overvalued municipally, and it causes a major, you know, ec- well, an extra overhead for for people that are trying to maintain these properties and trying to, you know, get by on a month to month and make ends meet. But I suppose the most yeah. important question then would be how properties are assessed and then thereafter how the tax is calculated are there you know primary factors to that are accounted for that are sort of uniform to each assessment yeah i mean pretty much well when they do these things when they're going through them they look at the area overall and then they make it they make an assessment based on that so what you really they, they don't look at they don't look at each property per property. Yeah. They look at the city rates. They look at the value overall, and then they start making calculations. Now the problem that you would have is that certain neighborhoods might not be in line with other neighborhoods, even though they're next to each other. Or you know, so if you're doing it from a municipal level, you're going to look at it in an area based on a uh, based on more of a governmental subdivision. Yes. And I mean, rather than an area exactly. based on neighborhood by neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. And, and often, I mean, everyone living in South Africa knows it's almost like your neighbors could, your neighboring area could be almost from another planet at times, you know. You've got higher end areas like Santon, and then, of course, there's, you know, just next door, you've got your townships and whatnot. So it must be very difficult to give a baseline value. But another thing I suppose that comes to mind is, you know, even if you have the best house on the worst street or the worst house on the best street, you know, your, your, your rates that you're going to be paying are completely, you know, imbalanced, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. And I guess too, when you're looking at it, I mean, you know, should you be looking at the land or the property built on the land? Now, when you're looking at the the value of what's been added to it, they probably can't see that, right? Because they don't know how much money you spent on the actual building. They just know the land and its relative location. And so you would have to start arguing why it's less or not. And then what you'd have to do is you'd have to take a look at all the the property purchases and sales that are going on in your specific street vis-a-vis the general area and saying, well, you know, I'm next to a bunch of rundown buildings or I'm next to a, you know, shanty town or yeah. maybe, you know, I won't complain because um, I'm actually near something that's growing right now. Yeah. So, you know, how they do that. Part of the problem that what you're getting, I'm getting a sense also is the municipal don't make money in a lot of ways. So this is part of the problem for the municipalities now. The municipalities are very poor collections. So what's beginning to happen is they've got to make money. So where are they getting their money? They're doing an add-on fee to electricity. So not all of that goes straight to ESCOM. They're making money on the electric, the electricity charges. Yeah. They make money refuse. on the sewage fees. Yeah. What? Sewage what? and refuse as well, no. like you've just said. Yeah. Yes. And then they make it on that. And then they also make it on the on the just the monthly charge that they have. And the people are doing this again. It's a general thing. I don't think they put a lot of time into it. And then there's also issues that you might have 
where people, you know, there could be clerical errors and all of that creeping into the system as well. Um, and so, you know, whether a property area is going up or down, they really aren't taking that into account. And that can be very, very frustrating. But then what you're going to have to do is just a little different outside the usual tax practitioner. What you really need is a property valuer. Yes. You know, you Lightstone and all of these guys, and then you're taking a look at it, and then you're going to have to submit your own valuation and contest it. Um, and then the issue is, you know, what are your rights of appeal in there? And it starts becoming quite expensive. And usually the cost of fighting it and getting attorneys and all of that becomes relatively high and yeah. people don't want to pay that, so they live with it. Yeah, exactly. That's generally what's going on. And I suppose which is which is that just adds mm -hmm. to the frustration of already having an overpriced property. I mean, I suppose if all of us had undervalued properties, no one would say a word because that obviously is a yes. win for everyone. But uh, then let me yeah. ask you. I mean, in your experience, what sort of turnaround time would be involved with an appeal? Let's say the appeal was deemed or bound to be successful. How 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 long is that average turnaround time? You're probably talking about a year or two. Jeez. I mean, the municipalities are just. You know, the, the problem is you're dealing with things when it comes to the municipal offices, they're really in increasing disarray. So, I mean, one of the issues that's really becoming a problem in the space is that when you're looking at a lot of these guys, when we went into, there was always a problem in the municipalities. And part of the problem is a lot of their issues are very paper based. They're not electronically based. They're only partially electronic. So, you know, you've got all these files and files and files mm -hmm. in the property office and things get lost and things get moved around. And then we went into COVID. So when we went into COVID, everybody started staying home, which meant a lot of people simply were not working. Now they're steadily coming back, but then we have strikes and we have different things and you have a very limited set of people in the office. A lot of the people now that have been hired really are more friends of friends and they're not really being hired properly. So a lot of your skilled people are disappearing. Now, one good thing what you should do is when you get into this space is you really need an expert who has actually worked in a municipality to help you. But generally when you're looking at the system, it's very, very slow, a lot like the master's office for trust. And so it's a back and forth. And then really what you have to do is you're going to have to litigate it. Because what if they say no? Then what's your right of appeal? Well, then now you're going to have to go into court and litigate yeah. that out. So that could take, you know, up to four years or something like that. Yeah, and by the time um, you finish there. paying all those bills, you probably were better off sticking with your higher rate. <laughs> well, that's right. And the question is, well, can you get back? I guess you probably should be able to get back the, the, the error. So that might get you some of the money back. But that's one of the big trouble in all of these things. Tax is about money. Yeah. And if it's going to cost you a lot of money to retrieve money, then you kind of go I throw up my hands. And you see this a lot of frustration, especially for the middle and the lower classes. Yeah, it's a complete catch twenty two of note, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, no. no, carry on, carry on. So, I mean, the real issue is, do you have a big property? So, I mean, the people who are going to fight this are not going to be your middle and your lower. Um, the only thing you can do then is sell the property and not let the other guy know. And again, <laughs> they might know about it. Um, and think about it. You're not sure. But it, that would mean that would make it difficult for you to sell a property if it's way overvalued. Yeah, and course. the real issue that you're worried about is clerical errors or things where just something is completely randomly determined and you're not sure where the hell they're coming from on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And then that, and then that makes it, it makes it difficult. It's almost like an albatross around your neck. So then you say, well, maybe I should fight this damn thing. 
um, and, and deal with it. But, but that becomes a problem. But usually the people who are going to be fighting this more are going to be your, your middle and your upper and your areas where it's going to be more expensive is what generally is overpriced. So people who are more worried about this are going to be people in Johannesburg and in Cape Town where the prices of property are generally much, much higher. And part of the problem in a lot of our rules is that they don't realize that a middle-class house in Johannesburg or Cape Town is not a luxury, and it's really not that much, and you're going to be facing tax rates that are as if you're rich, and you're really just keeping your house to keep your job, and it's sort of like a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose one of the burning questions homeowners must have is where is all this money going? I mean... You look around you and you don't see much investment into general improvement on a municipal level. And then, of course, you know, you have to ask yourself, I mean, what are you actually paying for? You know, you're paying your bond off of X, Y, Z per month. You're paying, if you're in a sectional title situation, you're paying levies, you're paying general maintenance yes. for just keeping your house afloat. And then you've got these this bill of thousands and thousands and thousands of rands on land that you already own. Well, that you're busy purchasing to own yeah so well you have to be very careful what you buy and the, the difficulty as you said is that increasingly the purpose of all those municipal rates is to do things like the roads and the sidewalks and the lights and all of that and you know it's depending on which municipality you have you know some are doing better than others but they're all deteriorating generally yeah. so i will say as a Korean person that our municipal structure is generally better than johannesburg yeah. I mean, Johannesburg is really becoming a problem. And I just left Johannesburg. I had a nice lunch and I drove off and I hit a big pothole uh. and my tire. And increasingly you're facing potholes that are damaging your car. Yeah. And so there is a, a great frustration. And one of the problems that we have is we don't have when it comes to municipal government, we don't have a proper level of accountability. You see, they want taxes at a local level. But you, they're not accountable at a local level. So you're not the voting system. You know, people, it's too party driven where you want to be able to vote people out with regard to the party. And so you don't really your money and your accountability are not aligned. And that's that is a great frustration. So what can you do? Well, you can do is litigate. You really can't. You don't really have much. Your vote really doesn't seem to matter very much. Yeah, and I suppose it's just more maddening when you are looking around the the roads and seeing these potholes and damaged robots and damaged sidewalks, and you know it just makes you almost want to you know bite your own fingers off at the end of the day because you know where it's supposed to be going, but it just doesn't show any any sign of investment or improvement. No, and and, and there isn't. And part of the problem too is it's one is there's an issue of corruption. Two, there's this bloated government where they're really, you know, what happens too, which I find very frustrating is on the one hand, they're not doing anything at all. On the other hand, they're over-regulating. They want the most advanced regulations, the most modern things, and they really can't keep up with it. So they start binding you more and more with your property with lots of rules they can't really apply. And then you see the money it's being misspent and they simply don't have enough to carry on doing what they're doing. So it makes property a more difficult investment. I think a lot of people these days are not investing in property for growth anymore. And because property is becoming more and more of a risk than yeah. a reward. No, exactly. You it's know, almost it's like a burden at this stage to own a property. 
Absolutely. And so I tell people, look, if you want to buy property, I used to love property. I think property, generically, I love property. But when you're looking at it, you've got to be very carefully municipality. And if you're going to be make money on the property as an investment, you really have to hold it for a long period of time. You really need to look at your Lightstone reports and see how that valuation is going. Um, and one of the difficulties, if you look at some of the property reports, is because the middle class's um, earnings is not increasing, that is showing that it's not. It ultimately is, means that residential property is not increasing. Exactly. So you really got to weigh it out um, in that way. And that's you know, forgetting tax or anything, you know, it it, it is. You, you've got to know what you're buying just because buying is not always better than renting. Yes. I would say you really, if you're going to have a long-term interest. You, it's generally a good idea to buy, but if it's going to be a year, two, or three, and you're likely to move or change habits, better to keep renting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've read a lot into American mindsets, and a lot of these property moguls say that <laughs> if you've got a portfolio of properties, and you know you're sitting with, let's just say, five properties, their advice is to rent the properties you own, and then the the yeah. only property you shouldn't own is the one you live in yourself. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, because of course your, your maintenance costs and all of that are completely minimized and you get in the same yeah, sort no, there, of thing. There is quite that. I mean, look, property in the U.S., and a lot of these books are U.S.-driven, have one very key thing they don't tell you about. In the U.S., you get a fixed rate of interest. Yes. And that means fixed. So if you have 4% and the inflation is out of control, it stays at 4%. So when it comes to residential rental, it's a damn good deal. The variables you don't have. Yeah. But yes, my brother, he's a he's a broker in the US and he actually says, No, I don't I'm just renting because the problem of property isn't just the government, it's also the issue of depreciation. The prop the value of a house, the building itself, deteriorates. The the land goes up, the building goes down, and all of those repair costs people do not take into account yeah. and it's very similar to municipalities you see the problem with government and you're seeing this with scom most notably because that's on our mind and you look at the road infrastructure governments are very poor at maintenance whenever they want to cut they cut maintenance so they're not putting as much money in and you know somehow you, maintenance doesn't get you votes until it's a crisis so for example we spent a lot of money on maintenance for fifa then we were willing to do it. But usually there's no political mandate for maintenance. People don't appreciate it. And then what happens, things steadily start to deteriorate. And then at some point it catches up with you. Yeah. And usually when it's too late. No, exactly. It seems as though the government or municipalities are almost thinking, well, it's not costing us anything to let this deteriorate. And it's not making us anything to maintain it. So <laughs> it's a terrible, yeah. terrible wheel. So I think uh, without further ado... We've been through quite a little bit, so let's take a small breather. Our SMS line for those wanting to ask us a few questions is 34519, or you can email us on air at chaifm.com. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Propertunity Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. With me today, Keith Engel. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you thus far. And of course, like I say to most of my 
interviewees. We could probably spend the rest of the day talking about our topic, that being property taxation. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit, Keith, about the difference between real property, personal property, just the, the different variations. You know, it depends now what you mean for tax purposes. So, for example, I mean, when you're looking at, you know, fixed property slash immovable property, that's attaching to the land. So when you're looking at that, generally all the buildings and everything is affixed, get included within the term of property. And why that's important is it becomes important whether something's subject to the transfer duty or not. So when you buy something, you know, what should be included in the transfer duty is everything that's affixed to the land. And that's generally the way it goes. Sometimes you can separate certain things out from the underlying property, which may make a difference on your tax consequences. But one of the, the issues that's there is that when you look at property and you're selling or buying, there is your income tax and then there's your indirect taxes. And that's why that may become important. So if you sell a property, what was your capital gain mm -hmm. or your ordinary revenue in addition to maybe a VAT or a transfer duty charge. Now, in the case of residential property, generally what the focus has been on the transfer duty and what you include on the land and all the buildings and all the attachments to the land. So, for example, the solar that you're going to be adding to your house is probably going to be viewed as something that's fixed for transfer duty purposes um, when the buyer pays for it because they'll be paying for that in one lump sum. Sometimes it makes a difference. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think generally, whether something's personal or fixed for purposes of purchasing for most residential property, it doesn't make too much of a difference. But there's definitely a distinction between the two. It usually comes up more when it comes to commercial property okay. on that side. All right. So yeah. then, obviously, I mean, there's there's the taxes that come into play, you know, during the sale for either side, the buyer yeah. and the seller. But I mean. What sort of what are the, what's the expectation in terms of receiving your tax bills? Where when can one expect to receive their yearly tax bills on their property? How can one then go about potential, you know, claims against that yeah. or you know trying to get a little bit yeah, back you, or minimize the actual payouts? Yes, I mean, look, the municipal rates are ones that usually people just accept, as we said. So usually, well, you know. It comes in like when you sell your property, you pay a last little bit as to the date of sale. And then there's a little bit of an adjustment that happens after you've sold it. Did I sell it the middle of the month, the end of the month? Because I shouldn't be paying for the portion I didn't own it. Mm -hmm. So those little adjustments go on that's there. Most of the time, people just take the rates and they accept them unless they're going to challenge it. Um, and as I said, you might want to challenge it informally, but then... And then I would then say that you have to use a property expert at that point, or you definitely need valuers at that point if you're going to challenge it. But those happen on a monthly basis. The transfer duty is something you face when you buy it. Once off. And as the buyer, it hits you in full, and that often becomes a big calculation. And sometimes that can be a make or break, because if it's fairly sizable, you might find that the transfer duty has to be paid up front. You can't you know, rely on loan funding in order to subsidize that transfer duty. And sometimes that becomes a problem for people. Yeah. Um, then there's also the, the VAT. If you buy a new development, the VAT is included. So people get confused because they go, oh, well, gee, there's no transfer duty. 
and I'm paying a price from a new development. But in that new development is a 14%, a 15%, sorry, I keep going back in time, <laughs> a 15% bat. And that usually comes right on the purchase, bang. And so that's what the purchaser has. The seller doesn't worry about that. What the seller worries about is, do I have capital gain if it's residential? If I'm really using it and I'm selling property all the time, then I might have ordinary revenue. But usually when it comes to residential, it's capital gain. And then there again, it really doesn't matter if it's a movable or personal property, um, but it's how much gain you make. But remember, if you sell your own home, you get up to 2 million rand of exemption on the gain. And usually most people don't have more than 2 million of gain and exemption. Yeah, not in this um, And market. so usually it's free. Yeah. Okay. So then what sort of penalty or, you know, general penalties on interest rates or the locks would, would one have to to pay if they never paid these taxes in a timeliest manner? Well, the, the issue would be uh, in transfer duty and VAT, if you don't pay it, it won't move. That's generally what happens. So what typically would happen is, is in the transfer duty, you simply can't buy it without paying the transfer duty. Yes, of course. That's it. That's it. The municipal rates, if you haven't done it, they will also jam up the sale. Because they simply won't allow you to sell. And that's, again, their ultimate collection weapon. So if, if for some reason you've managed to get away with not paying municipal rates, you will then find that you won't be able to, the, the buyer won't be able to buy it because your title isn't free. Yeah, and you need so your rates, clearance, certificates, and whatnot. Absolutely. So that that's usually the ultimate hold. Um, typically, if you're not paying, your municipal rates. Well, then the other issue is that might start adding up and then the government might come in and make a lien against your property and then yeah. all of a sudden the sheriff takes it. Yeah. Um, but usually somehow you can get away with that for a while because oftentimes the municipality is fairly weak. It's on the sale that will kill you. Um, that's that's there. Okay. Um, and oftentimes you'll find that that's a big issue really in property. See, also when you're looking at property, the issue is all the rules and regulations that come in. So what happens is They've changed a lot of the rules while you own the property in terms of implementation or law. And then you think you're fine and your property no longer conforms to the title standards that it's supposed to. And then you find that you've got to wreck things or change things. Otherwise, you simply can't sell it. And the bank is not going to give you the loan. And you can get around some issues if the bank is not involved. If the bank is not involved, you'll find that things are not so restricted. Yeah. So a typical one. I see people have tried. Sometimes people will turn their house into a commune and they'll make every room a rental property and they've converted it, which is completely illegal. And what happens is the bank won't fund purchase of that. But if you pay in cash, you can get away with it. So sometimes people will get away with it using cash. But, but it's usually on the sale that things get stuck. And then that can be a problem because you want to get rid of the damn property. Yeah, you do. of course. I suppose having your bond paid off makes life a little bit easier, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. Okay. But it's so, also not about just your bond. It's about the buyer's bond. Yes, of course. Of course. That's the one that costs because they need the loan. The bank wants, you know, all the bank wants to do is get paid off. They don't care how you do it. But the, when you're going to, the bank won't take you on unless they know that property is secure. And that property's got all the things. And that's where a lot of the irritation comes in. Of course. So look, if you, what happens if you already own one property and now you're looking at investing in a second property for cash, 
but your rates yeah. aren't exactly fully balanced on your first property. How would that affect your ability to purchase your second property? Well, I guess from the, the big, big issue is when they're, they're going to make a cost evaluation of you, right? So you say, okay, I want to buy the second property. Now, if I have cash, it doesn't have any effect. But if I want to take out a further loan, the bank is going to look and they'll say, well, how much money do you make? How much money do you spend? Let's say you've got a municipal rate that's out of control. Well, they're going to count that against you because they're going to say every month you have to pay this big bill. And therefore, you're not that profitable. And therefore, I'm not going to give you the loan that you mm. want because you're paying too much. That's what it would affect you. So then let's just say, for example, you've appealed the municipal valuation and you're still waiting for your outcome. What yeah. would then be the case with regards to the taxation? If your municipal valuation has, well, is officially being appealed or has been logged with the municipalities, does that affect the you know, timelines for when the taxation has to be paid? Is it or is it same as always until the decision? It's same as only until the decision, really. That's just the way it is. So you still have to pay every month. You can fight it and not pay it, yeah. but then the danger is they'll have interest and penalties. If you win the assessment, well, then you can get that reversed. But if you don't win the assessment, then it all catches then up. You're in trouble. So unfortunately, it's status quo until it's changed. Okay, interesting. That's, That's definitely an important yeah. thing to note. And then another question, I suppose, has just come to mind. Are you, as a property owner, able to pay your rates in advance? And if so, how far along the lines, how many months ahead could you do such a thing? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, assuming you probably can. I've never heard of anybody doing that. And I would be very reluctant to do that because you're going to screw up the municipal accounting. Yeah. So let's say you pay it up in advance. There probably is nothing wrong with it because it's a yearly bill, right? Yeah. So if it's yeah. a yearly bill, you theoretically can pay in advance. But now you've got to trust that the accounting system will understand that. And most likely it won't. It's yeah, it may reflect as an overpayment or something like that. Yeah, I it'll reflect as an overpayment. So, you know, who knows what that happens. Now, now they do do a lot of adjustments on overpayments. I see that. But I'm not, I'm not confident in how they do that. I really am yeah, not. Yeah, I'm not confident so with I, anything. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to put money up front, you just keep it in your bank and keep it yeah, outside. Yeah, maybe earn a bit of interest <laughs> on it if you're lucky. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then yeah, – I, I wouldn't I, – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my my next question building on that is, you know, given the propensity for them to, you know, either receive your payments or your payments to reflect as an overpayment or in a situation where you erroneously do overpay, what would then be the process for having that little excess refunded to you? Is it a is it a long stretching process or is it a quite a simple thing to get around? Well, usually what happens in a lot of these simple things is, is the best thing to do is to go down to the municipal office and then you, what you're do, basically doing is you're going to the clerk and you complain and then you do the you go to the next person who's the manager and then the next manager. And if it's if it's clerical errors, they usually do fix it. But you've got to go back and forth. And it's, a, it's about a personal it's like a personal effort. Yeah. And then sometimes the computer doesn't listen to the people and you have to go back again. And then you're going back and forth in the process. But that's generally what would happen there. Usually it doesn't get to a court process. Yeah. But they do wear you down because you get tired after a while. And you go, look, I got real work to do. And again, that personal time is an issue. No, for um, sure. And, yeah. 
that's that's where it is. The other issue is when things get more serious, I would tell people that you've got to get the right kind of people involved. So if you're going to be, you know, fighting a valuation issue, which is the start, you really need a property valuer and you need an attorney who's an expert at dealing with that process. So that is another one. So it's not your typical attorney that's able to do that. Most of your attorneys do like conveyancing work yeah. and that kind of thing. Those guys really don't know how to deal with that. You really want to deal with people who are experts in it. I know a guy named West, Mr. West. He's in Pretoria. But there, you really want to find somebody who is actually an expert in dealing with that process because the other guys are going to spend a lot of money shooting a lot of papers at the wrong places. Yeah, exactly. And each municipality is different. Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, conveyancing traditionally is more responsible for transferring the property and dealing with your exactly. you know, settlements of duties and whatnot. So then let me ask you a, an intense hypothetical for those who are <laughs> familiar with my show. These are all too common. Um, yeah. if, you are, if you've appealed the value of your property, right? You're busy paying yeah. your rates as usual, subject to the final outcome. If, yeah. you know, during the course of the year, your appeal is successful, are you then in a position to claim back some of the tax that you paid prior to the appeal, given that your rate yeah, might you be reduced? Be. You'd have to be because you'd have to say, well, the value, what you're arguing is the valuation is wrong. Yes. I was overpaying. So if I'm overpaying, theoretically, I should get back the, the amounts that are overpaid. Would you get interest? Well, mate, you should probably get interest on that. I'm not so sure about the interest element. I would assume yes, but I'm not. Now I'm looking at a different act. I'm not looking at the uh, the SARS Act would tell you yes, you get a refund. The Municipal Act probably should as well. But I would have to check the municipality one on that one. Yeah, I suppose um, there's the, the two acts, and then there's what actually happens as well, which is always up for well, debate. Well, that's also. Which is also an issue. Sometimes SARS refunds you only get if you request. Yeah. Um, and what kind of interest you're going to get is not going to be overwhelming. So the key is you're trying to get it resolved as quickly as possible. Now, again, even if you fail the municipal level, then the issue is you might have to go to high court. Yeah. Okay. Now, so again, another another hypothetical. What? Let's say there's a systematic error, and for the month of July, I don't receive my rates bill. What then yeah. would be the process to follow? Look, of course, you do have an idea of what your rates expenses are, but if you don't receive yeah. the invoice or the bill, then are you? Can you wait until such time that you do receive it, or do you have to notify the municipality or whoever it may be? Well, the problem is is that you you really should pay it, and, and the difficulty is is that if you don't pay it, they're going to charge you interest. Yeah. So they're going to say, well, you know, and the, your, they make their problem your problem. So ignorance is no excuse sort of kind of thing, which is, again, this very high handed notion with this, you know, which works in a, in a country where the system is working, yeah. but where the system is not working, it can be extremely unfair. And so you don't want bills, you know, going up against you. Um, and that that would mean the interest charges followed. So it's not like you don't get the bill, you don't get the payment due. And that's what's scary. So you're having to go in and then ask them to change the system. Yeah, so that you don't get the charge. So in that case, what I probably would do is that let's say I was paying and then for some reason I don't get the bill. I would just pay a certain amount that I think is a rough estimate. Yes. And then if, you, if you're above, you claim back. And if you're short, I suppose you'll have to address that balance when whenever they notify you. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Then yeah. I suppose, yeah. look, that uh, I need to ask you one more question for for <laughs> those that are inflicted by these situations. Would there be any consideration by the municipalities or the council for wavering of late payment penalties after a catastrophic incident or you know something of that sort death injury illness etc cetera, etc cetera. is there a propensity for them to waiver those penalties in that sort of an event uh, i have never heard of that so and i don't imagine sars in rare cases would give that i'm doubtful they would yeah. but you know look things worth a try sympathy of court have for major illness but they would argue look but the fact that you're ill or whatever, you still have the property, and the property is is an emo- it's a non-emotive property charge. Mm-hmm. It says here's the property. Property doesn't get sick. The bottom line is you have this property, you own it, and no matter what happens, you own it. Yeah. They might say a penalty might be waived because remember penalties are penalties. Yeah. There might be some sympathy about that, um, but that would really depend on you know manager to manager. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Yeah, and, then and more I'm, I'm often you don't. <laughs> yeah. And then the only issue might be then, you know, we get into the corrupt issue that maybe a little money on the side may make it go away. Yeah. That also has its own risks. Yeah. Part of the problem, too, is people think, and you'll see this with sometimes with SARS, there was some corruption a ways back. I'm not sure if it's continuing. I'm told it is sometimes. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And. And, and of course, Keyswitter would be horrified by it and would come down on that person heavily if they found out. But what happens is sometimes when people think they're getting out of a system and they bribe, they'll say, OK, I'm going to bribe you. And what they do is they bribe for the computer to be turned off. Mm-hmm. The computer is turned off until somebody later on goes, wait a minute, there's a problem. And they turn it back on again. Yeah. And then you're faced with the bill all over. It's like so, the Wild you know, West. Yeah, it is like the OS. Well, you know, it's getting to be like that. And I must say, being in South Africa for many years, 20 years now, you know, we're, we're a tough bunch. And it is like the Wild West more and more. And that's, to be fair, South Africans seem to have learned to grow in that environment. And they tend to be very adaptable um, is the, the, the consequence. But it is becoming very much the Wild West. Yeah, if Absolutely. not, it's already, it could be worse at this stage already. But <laughs> Keith, thank you <laughs> yeah. so, so much for tuning in. Well, for for making yourself available rather, and it's been a very interesting discussion. And like I say, there's plenty more topic for discussion, and hopefully we'll have you on a future show to get into those nitty gritties. That's great. Let's uh, do maybe if we want to have a property one, I'll get evaluator somebody to connect up with you a little bit to go more into the actual appeal process. Somebody who's been through this a number of times. That would be uh, fantastic. I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners would love to be educated on that sort of a topic. Uh, for those of you with questions, our SMS line 34519. And if not there, contact us via email on air at chaifm.com. This has been Propportunity Knox with me, your host, Jordan Cherno. Have an awesome weekend and an amazing festive season. And uh, yeah, guys, have a good one. <laughs>